any Grinch people? Anybody any Grinch? Any Grinch folk? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've appreciated the Grinch growing up. That was wonderful. You know, Dr. Seuss wrote that in 1957. Uh, t- came into a movie form, of course, in 66. That's what we remember. And if you, you know the story, you got this green, hairy thing, the, the Grinch. And the Grinch lived up on Mount Crumpet, and he really didn't like the Who's, right, in Whoville, especially at Christmas time because they were so joyful. And he thought, if I can steal Christmas from these guys, that'll show them. And so Christmas Eve, you know, he dresses like Santa. He sneaks down stealthily right into Whoville while all the Who's are sleeping. And he takes all their decorations and all their presents and all their cool food and packs it up on his sleigh and shoots back up Mount Crumpet. And he's thinking, he's just loving this because he knows When the Who's wake up and Christmas is gone, there's going to be like a major emotional meltdown. He's thinking, I've got to hear this. So he stops the sleigh and he listens. And he hears something, but what does he hear? Right? Da, who, door is, right? Fa, who, for is, whatever this means. He hears this and and he he starts pondering this. He's listening to the words. If you listen to the words of this, other than the Dahu Dore stuff, it, it says, um, Christmas time is within our uh, grasp as long as we have hands to clasp. It, it says, um, Christmas time will always be just as long as we have we. And, and the, the Grinch starts thinking. He starts thinking, um, uh, Christmas perhaps doesn't come from a store Christmas, he thought, might just mean a little bit more. And what happened in Whoville, or what happened then in Whoville, they say that Grinch's heart grew three, three times, right, that day. So he turns the sleigh around, he heads down, back down, he's blowing his trumpet, handing out all the toys again. Everyone lives happily ever after. Um, but you got to think through his, his ending of that, because Dr. Seuss said that this was the easiest book he ever wrote. And he wrote like 60 of them, except the ending. He said he spent three months, he said, pondering a thousand different religious endings. Now, keep in mind the time Charlie Brown's Christmas just came out. Remember Charlie Brown? He says, what's the meaning of Christmas? And Linus says, I know Charlie Brown. And Linus quotes the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. It's all about Jesus. And so he's got to be thinking these things. But does he come up with this? Oh, no. Matter of fact, when they turn this into a, a movie... His producer, Maurice Noble, said that, that uh, Ted Giesel, that's Dr. Seuss's real name, went to great lengths to keep Christian themes out uh, of the, the story. As a matter of fact, if you remember the ending of the thing, that all the Who's are holding hands and they're singing their Dahu Dories around this, where the tree would have been, but the Grinch, of course, ripped it off. And, and they're there and they're singing. And, and the producer, Maurice Noble, says that that Ted did not want a star coming down from heaven, from God, from wherever. So what he had to do is he had to have the star come from the whose hearts and rise up. So, so Dr. Seuss invents Christmas without Christ. It's very, very, very fascinating. I'm not so sure he's taking a shot at Christianity as much as he's taking a shot at capitalism. A lot of his books actually are very, uh, they have a meaning. There's not just goofy words. They have a, a, a deeper understanding. I think that's where he's going. But still, inadvertently, he's, he thought this through and he said, no Christian stuff at all. Christmas is not about that. 
Christmas is only about we have we. As long as we have we, we're going to make it. Well, I read an article this week, a guy by the name of Dan Olson. He speculates on what happened to Dr. Seuss to cause him to get to a place to dis the Christ of Christmas. And he says, perhaps it's because there are these Christian prohibition folk who basically shut down his father, who was a brewer. His father's brewery put him out of business. Maybe that was the issue. Maybe the issue was Ted Giesel's younger sister died. Maybe when, when Dr. Seuss, Ted Giesel, went to Dartmouth and then Oxford, perhaps he had a crisis of faith, crisis of, of morality, Maybe it was because when he worked for the Department of Defense during World War II, helping produce movies, he saw some of the worst stuff that uh, mankind can come up with. He just said, you know what, whatever Christmas is about, it is not about God. He would have nothing to do with that. I wonder if today we've got folk here, maybe inadvertently, we didn't think about this, we've just watched The Grinch and The Grinch's messages so many times that we've got this Dr. Seussian theology about Christmas, that uh, it's, it's really what it's about, it's about family, I'm all for family, family and friends and warmth along those lines, as long as we have we, Christmas Day will always be kind of thing. No room for Emmanuel, God with us. We don't need that us with us. That's what we need. That's what it's it's about. What we want to do, just a couple minutes, is we want to look at the original Christmas story, and we want to just see some stuff that maybe Dr. Seuss missed. Maybe he misunderstood as we get into this. Let me me read for you first. Let me read it off of this. Um, Luke chapter 2. He says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up to Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It's about a hundred-mile walk between uh, Bethlehem and Nazareth because he was from the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. First thing, just, just, just notice this, this, first, this first line you get. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. You see this? That all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Notice, this didn't, it doesn't start off saying, once upon a time, no, long, long time ago in a place far, far away. Now, that's language of, of fable, but Luke was an accountant type of person. He was a pharmacist. He was a medical doctor. You don't want your medical doctor or your pharmacist or your accountant getting creative on you, right? You need them to be precise and be right there. And Luke was that way. He was a historian. You know, the guys that wrote the Gospels, all eyewitnesses. And Luke, at the very beginning, says that he researched and he interviewed, no doubt, Mary and all these different folk to compile his, his story. Every year this time of year, you start getting, maybe you've seen some of these, these articles that come out in the popular press questioning the historicity of Jesus of Nazareth. Did he really live? You get this all over, you get this at Christmas, you get this at Easter. It sells, it's popular in our country. Um, 
But you need to know, and I'm wondering if Dr. Seuss got into a little bit of this, wondering in his heart, maybe this is You need to know that Jesus was born in history. I mean, this was an actual historical event. Josephus, let me just mention a couple of things. And we could mention a ton. But Josephus is hired by the Roman government about the time of Jesus. Roman Empire hired historians in all the different aspects of the empire just to write the history. You'd get in trouble if you wrote wrong history. And so Josephus is hired. He is not a Christian. He's a Jewish person. And this is what Josephus says. Josephus says, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was Christ. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at the first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day. This is secular. This is not Christian stuff. This is history written at the time of, of Jesus. Just, just stuff to know. How many secular sources talk about the historicity of Jesus? It's really, this is really significant. Because Caesar Tiberius, he, he was the Caesar when Jesus was a man, when Jesus was most of the stories in the Bible. Um, there are 10 secular sources that talk about Jesus of Nazareth. There are only nine that talk about Caesar Tiberius. So Jesus, and, and those, are, those are enemies of Jesus and friends of, of Caesar. If you were to include Jesus' friends who wrote about him, the, it's 43 to 1 mentioning of Jesus versus Caesar Tiberius. No one's going to question Caesar Tiberius's um, legitimacy in, in history. Let me give you just, just 10 of, of the, the sources that we're talking about. Okay, you've got Tacitus. We've got this down. And, and keep in mind when you look at these that Jesus was crucified around 30 AD, right? So Tacitus, this is writing 20 years. So he's writing to people who, who were there, who understood, who knew about this. He couldn't pull anything over them. Lucian, Flavius Josephus, Suetonius, uh, Pliny the Younger, writing in AD, AD 112. Tertullian, he's the old guy of the group. Thallus wrote in AD 52. Flagon in between 50 and 90. Justin Martyr in AD 150. The Jewish Talmuds. And listen, 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 this, is fasc- this is fascinating to me. Maybe, maybe you're not interested in this. But just if you threw away the New Testament and you just used just these 10 sources and you wrote out what they said about Jesus, what would you know about Jesus? Well, this is what you'd know about Jesus. He lived during the time of Tiberius Caesar. He lived a virtuous life. He was a wonder worker, worked miracles. He had a brother named James. He was proclaimed as the Messiah. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified on the eve of the Jewish Passover. Darkness and an earthquake occurred when he died. His disciples believed that he rose from the dead. His disciples were willing to die for their belief. His disciples denied the Roman gods and worshipped Jesus as God. I think this is fascinating. Throw out the New Testament. Just use secular history and you get almost the exact same picture. The New Testament paints about the historicity of who Jesus is. A guy by the name of F.F. F. Bruce. He went to, taught at Edinburgh, not down the road, Edinburgh in Scotland, very famous historian, scholar. Bruce says this. He says, some writers may toy with the fancy of a Christ myth, but they do not do so on the grounds of historical evidences. 
The historicity of, of Christ is as axiomatic of an unbiased historian as the historicity of Julius Caesar. It is not historians who propagate the Christ myth theories. I, we, again, we can go, there's a ton of these. Check out Encyclopedia Britannica, right, 1985. This is what it says. These independent accounts, Tacitus, Suetonius, etc., prove that in ancient times, even the opponents of Christianity never doubted the historicity of Jesus, which was disputed for the first time and on inadequate grounds by several authors at the end of the 18th century. A guy by the name of, of Bart Ehrman. Bart is not a friend to Christianity. Bart is the James A. Gray Distinguished Professor of Religious Studies at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. He, again, he, he's Princeton trained. He's a historian. But he does say this. It's interesting. He says, the reality is that every single author who mentions Jesus, pagan, Christian, or Jewish, was fully convinced that he at least lived. Even the enemies of the Jesus movement thought so. Among their many slurs against the religion, his non-existence is never one of them. Jesus certainly existed. Folk who know history, even people who aren't interested in claiming Jesus is God, who know the history, know yeah, Jesus lived. I wonder if Dr. Seuss realized that. He might want thinking that this is like with Jesus, Santa, and it's Rudolph, and it's Frosty, and it's Joe jo and Jesus, and it, it, it's just all mixed up that way in his mind. It's, Jesus was born in history. If we were there, we would have seen it. Uh, we, Luke is working hard to point out. Jesus was also born in poverty. Real, real important. Because I think we get this all mixed up. Look at next, next text. It was, and while they were there, okay, they, they were, went to Bethlehem. While they were there, the time came for her. It's Mary to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Now, our Christmas carols, our Christmas specials, if anyone would want to go down this road, our, our Christmas cards certainly kind of paint this picture kind of romantic hallmark movie-ish don't they i mean you got just a few cattle and cows and whatever in there and they're all either smiling or sleeping and it's quiet and it's peaceful and the lights coming in thomas kingade's getting ready to paint this thing and it's looking good and and there's this feel you can almost just smell the cookie you know it's just a nice thing there's no flies there's no cold wind blowing through there's no smell of manure which is what these guys would have dealt with mary and joseph are looking you know, I probably they're not. Probably they're wondering what in the world is going on. It's, it's a struggle. This, this whole birth of Christ I mean, is one of the most mind-blowing things. God, Almighty God, takes on flesh. That's, and yet, he comes to the darkest of the dark. The fact that they're in a stable, you know what that means? That doesn't just mean that they don't have money. They don't. But that... It, and you need to know, Luke is not exalting poverty. Poverty back then was the same as poverty today. It was not good. Poverty had all kinds of cousins that came with it, right? Crime and, and uh, disease and death and hunger. I mean, it was, it was a bad deal. But his being in the stable also shows that Joseph doesn't have any connections. There's no power. If this is the time to pull a string, if you can pull one, your wife's getting ready to have a baby, you better you know, get them out of the barn, right? Nothing. It also means this. It means there's no uh, love or mercy or concern. I mean, just think of us. Just think of you guys. 
if, if a man and his young teenage wife come and she's having contractions, she's ready to give birth and there's no room anywhere and you can't get her, wouldn't you at least kind of, I'll give, you, give her up my room. I'll go sleep on the couch or something. Wouldn't you at least do something like that? Kind of care? No care. No concern. And so Jesus is coming to the darkest of darkest. Important for us to keep in mind that the guys with this original Christmas story, this, they would not probably be celebrating Christmas as us. It was a massively disruptive thing for them. Mary and Joseph's life was turned upside down. They had their dreams all shattered. They would have a horrific reputation between now and the time they, they died. Of course, the, the wise men incredible cost left their family and paid who knows how much for this massive journey Uh, herod goes berserk with this rampage killing all the baby boys in bethlehem that means parents of baby boys in bethlehem are going to suffer pretty substantially with this living under the rule of rome was not uh, a cakewalk it was a dangerous time rule rome was tyrannical they ruled with an iron fist there was hate there was racism there was prejudice world was a dark dangerous time that's what luke's trying to let us know that 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 is much, and I know that evil stuff in life. This doesn't necessarily fix it, but what you need to know is the evil that, that we engage in, that we understand, that we feel. He felt. He could have came anywhere. He was God. He came to the darkest, darkest, darkest. And so when we're going through it, we just need to know. That, that if all we have is us, uh, us and we, us with us, it's bad. But he recognized that. So you've got Emmanuel, God with us. And this is the, 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 just the third thing I noticed from this text is, is he came in, in poverty, right? Certainly. But he came on purpose. Let me, let me just mention this. Because he didn't just say, you know, I think I'll go visit planet Earth for a while. See what they're doing down there. That's kind of cool. He came on purpose. He came as a rescue mission. Throughout scripture, you've got this massive warfare going on behind the scenes. You've got the the cosmic forces of hell fighting with the cosmic forces of heaven over the souls of mankind. This is all throughout scripture. Well, what's going on right here is God is launching his final counterattack against the kingdom of hell. The, the kingdom that was stolen, the kingdom that was illegitimately taken, the, the, the kingdom that is full of oppression and treats its citizens as captives and cre- creates pain, and God's going to liberate, and that's his desire to come in. And you got to know, Satan's not going to take this lying down. The hell is suddenly going to raise up. And you hear people ask, how come when Jesus was around, we've got all these demonic things going on, but we don't see as much today or before? Because suddenly Jesus is busted in. There's massive, massive spiritual warfare going on. And you need to recognize as you're wrestling with this that Jesus came on purpose you know it was going to be shortly not too long afterwards where herod was going to rec- you know recognize that jesus one of the, the king the new king the new messiah is born in bethlehem so he sends soldiers there with swords go kill all the babies in bethlehem so uh, joseph is tipped off by an angel middle of the night dream wakes up cold sweats tells mary they grab jesus and whatever little things they had probably they weren't living in the barn very long right it wouldn't take very long before you go out and you rent a lean to but they had to leave 
And so they're sneaking out of Bethlehem, out the back doors. The soldiers are coming in the front door. And maybe they're hearing the screams as they're running towards Egypt. Can you, can you imagine Mary and Joseph holding this baby thinking, what is going on? For crying out loud, this kid can't even understand verbal language yet. And he's already an enemy of the state. And this, this kid cannot speak anything intelligent yet. And he's already targeted for assassination. This kid can't even crawl yet. And he's already fleeing for his life. Oh, God, is this the way it's going to be? Yeah, that's the way it's going to be. Because he he came on on purpose. When he grew up, he says this in in Matthew 20, verse 28. It says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the goal. He came, left heaven to come to do the one thing he could do down here that he could not do in heaven. And that was die. When Jesus was a baby in that trough, wooden trough, fast forward 30 years, and he's 33 years, I guess. His back is against rough wood again on a cross. And Jesus is in the, 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 the animal shelter, and he's, he's there because the, the, the people have no love or kindness for him. Fast forward to the cross days, and the people have no love and kindness as they're all screaming, crucify. He's in the, the, the manger, and he's wearing a little swaddling cloth. Fast forward to when he dies, he's wearing a loincloth or, or, or nothing. He's naked again. He's in the manger, and all of the world has rejected him. And when he gets to the cross, his father rejects him. And we're not talking Joseph, his heavenly father. And you go, what is that about? And this is, this is why he, he came. Be, because uh, when Jesus was on the cross, now this is what the scripture, this blows my mind. This is what the Bible says. God the Father, came, remember he came to ransom, he came to liberate, reached into the future. Every sin that I ever did, and I did a good handful, and I probably will do a lot more, but he took them all, and put them on the back of Jesus. Every sin that you've ever done, he put them on the back of Jesus. So Jesus, in time, history, he became the sacrifice for your sin and mine. It was so odious that the Father had to turn his back on this. So Jesus became our, our sin. He died. God bore eternity in a short time. Three days later, you know the story. God the Father raised him up. Showing that his Jesus sacrifice paid our bill, it was good. So let me let me, let me throw this out. I think Seuss, Dr. Seuss got it wrong uh, because because the Grinch, Scrooge, Dickens is going to do the same thing with Scrooge. They're going to come to the place where they realize Christmas is all about giving, not receiving. I say no, no, no. According to Scripture, the Bible is not Christmas is not about you giving. Christmas, the the, the issue is you receiving. That's what it's about. See, God gave. We don't give. It's the most famous verse, John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world, he loved you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And John's going to put that a little bit further. John 1, 12. He says, he says, this, it says, but all who did receive him, we need to receive, that's what Christmas is about. 
who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Notice, notice the verse for a second. It doesn't say all those who went to church, all those who were kind, all those who read their Bible, all those who put lots of money to, in the offering plate, those guys he, he accepted. No, no, no. Those who received the gift that he gave. It's like at Christmas. I'm guessing under the tree you've got some presents or you're going to have some by the morning, right? Your name on it. And somebody put it there. Somebody gave it. But if you don't take it, it does you no good. It sits under the tree with the paper on. You gain zero benefit. You have to receive it. I asked you, told you earlier, I was going to ask you two questions. First one was, what's your favorite TV special? Second one is, have you ever received God's gift? Real important, real important. Because if you didn't, if you haven't, you probably are in some sort of Seussian idea of Christmas. Christmas is about God giving you receiving you know, this is fascinating to me because if Dr. Seuss is right, Christmas is just about, you know, we with us, not, not scripture, right? Where Christmas is about God with us. It's all about we with us. It's going to lead you two places. That will lead you two places. First of all, it'll lead you to sing. And you know what you'll sing? Da hu do re fa hu What does that mean? You know, it's fun. It rhymes maybe kind of. It's nice. It's nonsensical, it's empty, it's foolish. That's the song your life will sing. The other place that's going to lead us, and we know, because human history, we've got, I've got, we've, we've got headlines. We know where it's going to lead us. That kind of the- theory, that kind of philosophy, us with us, leads us to Dachau. And it leads us to Auschwitz. And it leads us to Stalin and Mao. And it, and it leads us to 9-11 and and. Columbine, and it leads us to Vegas and Miami with their shootings. It leads us to Ferguson. That's where that leads. Any one of the horrors of the headlines, that's where that goes. That's the only hope you have if you hold on to, no, 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 Christmas is us. It's me with me. That's all that matters. Well, that's the hope you have. And God knew it, which is why he broke into this darkness to bring us Emmanuel, God with us. And so I just want to, I want to, ask you that question again have you received it we're gonna take a moment to pray you you might be saying how in the world do i receive this what are you talking about notice john couples that with the word believe it's coming to a place in your own life where you recognize this is true this is historical i recognize jesus died in my behalf and i submit my life i commit my life to that you can do that through prayer and so let's take a moment to to pray just between you and god i'm not going to ask you to do anything goofy but just between you and god if right now where you where you sit you you would want to receive the gift that he has given you the gift of jesus and his death and resurrection on your behalf you can say father thank you for sending jesus in my place Thank you for dying for all of my sin. I've got, got a lot. And taking it away. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your salvation. Would you make me the man or woman you want me to be? I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name, amen. You know, Jesus came into this dark world. He came as the light of the world. I don't think the world thought they needed light, but he came as the light of the world. 
And, and, and when he came as such, Scripture says that as we receive, he says that we are the light of the world then. We take this message. And as we take just a moment, we pull down the lights as we light our candles. We need to be thinking that Christ is its not about us and us. It's about God with us as we are the light of the world.